Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your mercies to us. Lord, they are new every morning. We can so easily get caught up in the cares of this life and the cares of this world that we can grow numb to the glory of the God of heaven scooping us up and making us his beloved children. Uh, would you help us in this day and particularly in this time to, to see a clearer vision of you and walk more closely with your will. In Christ's name, amen. Turning your Bibles to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5, and we will look at verses 33 through 37. Matthew 5, 33 to 37. And could someone read that for me when you've got it? So, this passage has been used throughout the history of the Christian church to debate whether or not it is okay for a Christian to take a public oath. And there are groups of Christians today who believe that when you are called to testify in court and the judge says, do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, you're not supposed to take that oath. It's an oath, and Jesus says... Do not take oaths. Let your word, let your yes be yes, let your no be no. And so, what we have tended to focus on as we've discussed this passage over the past 2,000 years is, can a Christian... take... An oath. And this obviously has impact both in civil court, but also in any political office. And military service. Are we allowed to take oaths in the public arena? And many churches have said, no. Jesus very clearly says, do not take oaths, right? Is that what the passage very clearly says? (laughs) You shall not swear falsely. I say to you, do not take an oath at all. Now, here's why I think the Christian church has gotten away from what Jesus' focus is here. 
Because if we're going to have this passage be the basis of our argument of whether or not it is okay for a Christian to take an oath, we're missing the foundational point of the passage. And to the specific question, is it okay for a Christian to be placed under oath, I want to draw your attention later in this exact same book to Matthew chapter 26 and verses 57 to uh, 57, 57 to 68. And specifically in that passage is where Caiaphas is asking Jesus, are you the son of God? And Jesus keeps his mouth closed. He does not say a thing. And they've got all these false witnesses that are accusing him. And Jesus keeps his mouth closed until Caiaphas places him under oath. Caiaphas says the words, I adjure you by the living God. This is an authority figure who is placing you under oath when they say, I adjure you, tell us if you are the Christ. And once placed under oath, Jesus not only testifies truly to himself, but then goes on further when Caiaphas says, tell us if you are the Christ. He says, not only am I the Christ, (laughs) but you will see me seated at the right hand of the Almighty coming in glory. Uh, When he is placed under oath, Jesus acknowledges the oath. He acknowledges the obligation of the oath, and he properly fulfills the oath. The point here is not whether or not it is okay for a Christian to be under oath, nor is the point you can swear this way, but you can't swear that way. That's not Jesus' point here. The point of his statement, and this is where I think Bonhoeffer is helpful, helpful in helping us to understand this passage. He begins by pointing out the very existence of oaths, the very fact that oaths exist is proof that there are lies. And that's what I want you to get. That's what I want you to focus on. The fact that oaths exist, the fact that oaths are necessary, the fact that oaths are a part of our culture, I swear I'm telling you the truth. Why can't I just say what I say? Uh, I drove to church today and didn't run any red lights. I swear before God I'm telling you the truth. Why not just say I drove to church and didn't run any red lights? Because the fact 
of the lie. <laughs> because you might be questioning me, and so I might be telling you a lie, and so therefore I have to appeal to the higher authority for the truth of what I say. Oaths demonstrate that there are such things as lies. And they demonstrate that there are such things as lies in our relationships. Bonhoeffer says, oaths are a barrier against untruthfulness. So you can't have one without the other. You can't have that barrier sitting there without something on either side of the barrier or something that that barrier is protecting you from. The fact that there is a, such a thing as an oath, and God clearly, I mean, he gives us plenty of legislation in the Old Testament about what oaths are, about how we are to take oaths, about how we are to, to testify truthfully. Uh, and what it means to call upon God as witness and all of these things. But we miss the fundamental point, which is that oaths exist because you and I are liars. That's why oaths exist. And that's what Jesus is getting at when he says, don't take oaths. Don't let yourself be dominated, be controlled, be led by the lie. Don't let untruthfulness have any part in your character. Don't let dishonesty or, or you know, telling half-truths. This should not be even hinted at in the Christian community. And so that's... The, the, the driving point here behind oaths and, and Jesus' teaching on oaths is that oaths show us the power of lies. They show us the pervasive power of lies. So, uh, I don't know how many of you watch, like, cop shows. Uh, what, what's the one? Uh, oh, cops. I think it's that word of 48 hours. 48 hours on A&E. You ever see the suspect getting interviewed by the cops? And what does the suspect always say? I swear, I, as soon as you see him, pure innocence, hand to God, hand over heart, as soon as you see him doing all that, you go, yeah, you did it. <laughs> and so do the cops. <laughs> as soon as we protest, take our oaths we're entering into this place of, yeah, maybe I can trust you, maybe I can't trust you. Without that oath, I'm not sure how, how, how much did you mean your oath, how, how seriously do you take the weight of an oath. As soon as we enter into this place of oaths in our interaction with each other, we enter into the arena of dishonesty. And that's what Jesus is getting at. This should not be the arena in which you and I live. And there's a couple of reasons for the importance of this. For, for why Jesus is going to include this in this great passage 
on what it means to be a disciple of Christ. To be a disciple, Jesus says, is an absolute, in this context, other, other contexts, there are other aspects, but in this context, it's an absolute rejection. Of the lies. I will not tell a lie. To be a disciple of Jesus Christ, I will be open, I will be truthful, I will be transparent, I will not give you half-truths, I will be open. And there's a couple of reasons that this is important. A couple of reasons that, that it is so important for us to have this mentality. The first is in terms of relationships. Whether it's the relationship with your spouse, whether it's the relationship with your parents, your children, your co-workers, your neighbors, any relationship that is tainted by a lie is broken. It is impossible to have communion with someone when you at the same time are holding back something critical from them. You're holding something back about yourself. You're holding something, or you're giving them a perception of you that isn't true. Let me, just, you know, a quick example. I would like for people to see me as a confident, self-assured, go-getter man who has plans and organizes his day and makes good use of his time, and I want to be that guy. And so if that's the only thing that I ever project to you, then when I come along and say, man, I'm having a hard day. I am really broken up. I am struggling with this sin. I'm struggling with this discouragement. I'm struggling in this season of life. It doesn't jive with the image that I've given you. And so I have to protect my image. I've got to look on the outside like I've got it all together. I've got to look on the outside like my household is completely in order. I've got to look on the outside. I've got to have people look at me in such a way that it does not expose my lie, that I'm actually a broken mess. And that lie that I'm guarding ultimately damages you. It damages our relationship because if I'm dishonest and I refuse to let you know that I'm a broken mess, then what happens when you're a broken mess? Do you come talk to me? Not hardly. <laughs> He's the guy that's got it all together. He's the guy that can't connect. He, he can't relate to what I'm struggling with. I need to keep this quiet. Everybody else around here. Is, has got their act together. Everybody else is doing great, so I'm just going to sit here and, and quietly hide it myself. It destroys relationships. It destroys relationships in family, friends, society. Either this direct or indirect untruthfulness always. And I want you to think back. Because I'm guessing every single person in here <laughs> has struggled in this area in the past. 
all the way from the time you were a three-year-old and mommy said, hey, did you get a cookie out of the cookie jar? What was your response at three years old? Uh-oh. <laughs> nope, not me. Why did the three-year-old tell the lie? Because the three-year-old knew that he or she had done something wrong and wanted to escape the consequences. And that's what we do every single solitary time that we lie. We 100% of the time, 100% cover our sin. That's what lying is. A hundred percent of the time. When you and I lie, when you and I are dishonest, a hundred percent of the time, you and I are covering over our own sin. Absolutely. Well, I think it should help us as children and adults not to lie, knowing that we will be held accountable in every word. There you go. Amen. The sad thing is, Far too many of us forget that we're going to give an account before God in the moment. <laughs> and, and, and part of this is, you know, a lack of diligence about the means of grace, a lack of, you know, continually uh, focusing on who we are and what we're called to be. So, um, the, second, the second reason that I want to bring to your attention John's Gospel, chapter 17 and verse 17. That's important enough or significant enough that uh, could someone read that? John's Gospel, chapter 17 and verse 17. So this is Jesus' high prayer, and he's praying to the Heavenly Father. And he says to his father, he prays for his disciples, he says, Father, sanctify these disciples in truth, because your word is truth. So do you see those two elements there? The father is truth, the word that comes from the father is truth. So when you and I are not people of truth, What does that say about our relationship with God? And what does that say about our relationship with His Word? To, to not be a man, a woman, a boy, a girl of truth is to be cut off from both God and His Word. And yes, the people is the relationships up here. Yes. It, 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 it poisons everything. The lie poisons everything. The untruthfulness poisons everything. So, Bonhoeffer goes on to say, 
what is it that holds you and me back from being honest, open, truthful with one another? It's the fear that you're going to somehow look at me differently. You're going to look at me negatively. You're going to look at me as broken. You're going you're, you're to look at me as a mess. If I'm open and honest about my struggles in my marriage, my struggles personally, my struggles in my household, my struggles elsewhere, my, my moral struggles... I'm going to be revealing to you that I am broken. And so when we have this community of disciples, this thing called the church, called to this standard, of absolute, complete truthfulness. Bonhoeffer says, complete truthfulness is only possible where sin has been uncovered and forgiven. Now, if you want something to tattoo on your backside, tattoo that. That is the most important thing you will hear in this Sunday school lesson. Complete truth is only possible where sin has been uncovered and forgiven. When you and I can say, my sin is open before the Lord, and it is washed before Him, then I can be honest about my sin. And when you can say, my sin is washed by Jesus Christ, it's revealed, it's laid out in full, every thought, every word, every deed, every nastiness is laid out on the open table and his blood covered it all. Then I don't have to be a poser. I don't have to protect my reputation. I don't have to hide myself, and neither do you. You and I are able to have open, honest, real relationships. Relationships that are not clouded by sin and by lies, by untruthfulness. Only when you and I look at one another and say, not only my sin has been uncovered and forgiven by God, but so has yours. So has my brother's sin. So is my sister's sin. Uncovered and forgiven by God. It requires humility on your part. It requires humility on my part. It requires an openness to correction. What, what, what's one of the reasons that you and I lie? 
to avoid correction. <laughs> the police officer says, did you not see that the light was red? What's the first word that comes out of your mouth? It was yellow when I went through. <laughs> okay, maybe there was a fleeting flash of yellow as you passed underneath. <laughs> but, but this thing, this, this thing that we do is to try to avoid consequences and avoid correction. Truthfulness requires that your entire being is laid open in the sight of God. And Bonhoeffer goes on to say, sinful men do not like this sort of truthfulness. Sinful men are defined by their sin. Those are the things they guard to themselves. Those are the secrets that they keep hidden to themselves. Those are the things, the, the little pet things that they keep to themselves. They don't like this kind of transparency, this kind of openness, this kind of honesty, this kind of truthfulness. And so what sinful men will do is persecute it and crucify it. Because the cross is the ultimate statement of God's truth. On the cross, you see in stark clarity the truth about who you are, the truth about what sin is, the truth about what God thinks of you and me. And I don't like that truth. I don't like it in my natural being. I don't like it in my sinful being because I want to believe that there is something noble in me. I want to believe that there is something beautiful and pure and pristine in me. And the cross says, absolutely not. The cross says, I deserve God's wrath in its fullness. And it's only when I find myself there in the cross that I can claim to be a disciple of Christ. But in the cross, you've got the absolute clearest statement of God's truth about you. And rather than face that truth, I would rather persecute it, I'd rather crucify it. While untruthfulness destroys fellowship between men and men, between men and God, the truth about ourselves and walking, uh, the, the truth, exercising the truth in the way that we speak to one another establishes genuine brotherhood. And it's not comfortable necessarily. It's a whole lot more comfortable to put on our plastic smiles and, and not be honest, open, this is who I am in Christ. This is who I'm striving to be. Pressing on to the high calling of Jesus Christ. I have not yet attained. Uh, all of those things that we see all throughout the New Testament that we're so afraid and ashamed to admit to each other. <laughs> it, it's, it, it's, it's helpful for us to just remember just how toxic the atmosphere that we grow up in is. That Jesus would have to say something like this. And we would spend 2,000 years arguing over whether it's okay for me to take a vow in a court of law. That's not the point. It's not whether it's okay to take a vow in a court of law. It's whether it's okay to compromise 
one inch with the lie and with sinfulness. And, and we cannot do that. The disciple of Christ is called to absolute complete truthfulness. Absolute complete openness and integrity with one another. We fail. We fail constantly. But that does not reduce the bullseye. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't change the, the, the mark to which we aim. And that mark is to be open towards one another, honest towards one another. My children can tell you none of them are here right now, so uh, you can ask them later. But my most severe discipline for them when they were children was reserved for lying. Because I told them when they first lied to me, I can't have a relationship with you if I can't trust you. Tell me that you messed up. Tell me you did this. Tell me you did that. We'll work it out. But don't ever lie to me. Because once you lie to me, you're telling me this relationship can't take place. I need honesty. I'm okay with brokenness. I'm okay with failing. I'm okay with stumbling. I'm okay with all the other stuff. But don't lie. Because to lie cuts you completely off from me. And in the same way, to lie to my wife cuts me off from her. To lie to my brother cuts me off from my brother. To lie to my sister cuts me off from my sister. We've got to be men and women, boys and girls of truth. That's right. It's just a truthfulness. It's just an open and truthfulness. Let's uh, go into our fellowship time with prayer. Father, would you help us to see personally, to seize with all of our might your calling to be open and honest, men and women and boys and girls who are transparent, who are honest about our sin, our failings, honest with one another, and so transparent, and able to speak of your grace, mercy, sustaining forgiveness, your joy and comfort and peace. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.